Let us pray. God, who knows our needs, our hopes, our dreams, pour through us so that we can feel your healing and allow spaces and Sabbaths of healing in our lives. In your name, amen. And Larry, if you would advance the slide, that would be great, just to the, to the message title. And so I just want to give a little bit of background. We've been talking in our Lenten series uh, about healing, both here in worship and during our, our Wednesday suppers. And one of the things that we're reflecting on in our healing is what spiritual well-being and spiritual growth looks like. So you may remember last week we talked about spiritual growth and spiritual development. And what do you remember from the fruits of the Spirit that, that we touched on last week that Paul brought up? Throw out, call out a, a fruit of the Spirit. Goodness. Beautiful. Another fruit. Patience was another one. Beautiful. Joy was another one. Loving kindness or compassion, that is one. Uh, so love was mentioned by St. Paul. Loving kindness is a, is a, a modern, a God-is-still-speaking uh, version of that. Absolutely. And so I just wanted to lift up some other fruits of the Spirit. Uh, so the ones that uh, Paul specifically mentioned were love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So that was nine fruits of the Spirit. And then in our contemporary times, other fruits of the Spirit, other names we would give are hope, gratefulness, generosity, connection or communion, and compassion, loving kindness, forgiveness, and also the ability to help uh, set healthy boundaries. All of these are spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines that we sort of are talking about these days. And then, so, so spiritual practice is anything that helps us cultivate these qualities. And we mentioned that sometimes it might be running, sometimes it might be prayer. There's all kinds of ways that we use to develop these, these qualities. But that is what we call spiritual development. Does that make sense, more or less? Cool, I see nodding heads. So then religious development, we're going to touch again on that. And so we touched on last week about how religious development involves deepening our knowledge, so our head it involves deepening and our um, participation, so how we move our bodies in participation with our, our faith, and also our relationship with our faith, deepening our understanding, our practice, and um, relationship with our faith is religious development. And so I just wanted to give a quick example of that, so, just so you would know, because it, it seems a little abstract still probably, right, what religious development means? A little bit. So let me give a quick example. Say someone comes to me, this is a totally made-up story, but he's a gentleman, and he uh, just wanted to talk about some spiritual and faith stuff, and maybe he's feeling a little bit of an oddball. And he comes to me, and he says, or any pastor, and he says, you know, pastor, I don't experience God. And it's a bit of an unorthodox example. I'll give a more orthodox example next. But say he comes and he says, you know, I, experience, I don't experience God so much in the symbolism of the cross, but I experience God when I'm out golfing. So for me, God is symbolic in a golf ball. And he's like, it gives me such joy when I am out there and I feel a part of nature and I really feel God's presence. And when I swing and I see that ball arc into the air, I just feel this uplift, right? And so that is a, a life-giving practice for him. 
When he goes home, he's more compassionate toward his family and more kind because he's had that time to himself. And, and he is, he's had a good day. That's where he releases stress. So if, if, if this gentleman were, in fact, talking with me and he's like, you know, is that okay? Am I just, you know, really out there? What do you think would be a healthy spiritual response to that? Go for it. Right? It's not hurting anyone. It's actually doing him a lot of good. It's life-giving to him personally and life-giving to his relationships, broadly speaking, at work, with family, everything, right? As, as fun and unorthodox as it may be, it helps his spiritual development. It's also part of his faith development because he specifically talks about God and rooted in a Christian tradition, even though it's not rooted in the symbolism of the cross, he roots it in that faith. It makes him a more loving person as his faith calls him to be. So that's one, that's a fun example. So we call that a life-giving belief that is rooted in the person's faith, both spiritual and faith development. I, I see nodding heads, so I, I'm thinking you're with me so far. Now, in, in theological circles, a, a common term that is coming that you may not have heard before, but it's used more commonly, is the term death-dealing. Not my favorite term. I prefer we came up with a different one. But I name it because it's becoming more common, so you may hear it, and it's good to be familiar with it. So an, I, an example of an orthodox, uh, what we call death-dealing belief, is one that many of us here are familiar with. Say that you grew up in a Christian tradition, and we, most of us actually here today, probably did experience this, we experienced being told that being in a same-sex relationship makes you a sinner. How many of you have heard that? Yeah, most of us have encountered it somewhere, right? So that's, some of us embedded that maybe when we were little. And then as we grew older, we needed to like pause and think about this. So we, that became part of an embedded theological belief. And then as we matured, we decided we wanted to be intentional. We, we questioned that, where it came from, where, why it happened. And we decided we wanted to, to develop what we call a deliberate or intentional belief instead, or theology. So becoming open and affirming where we bless same-sex relationships, whether it's marriage or not, and bless all people, no matter what their sexual orientation is or their gender identification that is part of creating a deliberate theology. And there are many good reasons for changing what were death, literally in this case, death-dealing theologies, because there are people who have committed suicide, there, there are families who have been destroyed, beliefs that have caused harm in the world, and, and, and reshaping and reinterpreting and offering interpretations of what is sacred to us, sacred scripture, in ways that are not death-dealing, but life-giving. Part of, especially the United Church of Christ's God is still speaking message. So did that help to make it a little bit more concrete? A little bit? So that example, that latter example of LGBTQ theology, or what we're calling queer theology, is an example of religious development that is both institutional, because the UCC as an institutional denomination is developing this theology intentionally, but individually, it really impacts us. So it impacts our individual's religious development. And because it allows us, 
when we integrate it to be more loving toward ourselves and toward other people, toward our families, it is part of our spiritual development too. So far, so good? No, I see. So, Jerry, you and me, we can talk one-on-one about that. All right, we'll, we'll also just talk about it a little bit more as the Lenten series unfolds. Because where in the scripture today would you say, so just a quick review. It's been a few minutes. So we're in the, we're in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and uh, Jesus is dealing with a particularly difficult crowd today. And there he notices there's a, a gentleman with a withered hand, the story of the healing of the withered hand. And he has been getting some pushback from his uh, Jewish community and this, on this particular occasion from the, the Pharisees and the scribes in particular. And they've been questioning his the- theological, his religious and spiritual development. And he asked them, so what can I do on the Sabbath? Can I do good? Can I do evil? Okay, so, so what is appropriate? And he calls a gentleman with the withered hand to come forward, and he says, stretch out your hand. And the withered hand heals. And so it's a, it's a miracle healing story. And then as Jean acted it, there, there was this joy and delight that the, the, there was healing that happened. But then the story goes, and this is appropriate for Lent, that the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees in that particular synagogue on that particular day went out and began uh, to plot against Jesus, which, of course, in the Lenten story leads to the cross. So where would you say Jesus was modeling? Let's talk about religious development first. Where would you say Jesus was modeling religious development today? By healing, yes, he was modeling. And that I would consider that spiritual development, too, because it was life-giving practice. Go ahead, Mark. Right, ex- exactly. So there was all of this debate at the time of that Jesus was pointing out. Is it okay to heal on the Sabbath? What's appropriate? Can we do anything? And what did Jesus do? What he said, or he did, he, he did actually heal someone on the Sabbath. And so he was pointing out that religious, in, in his life and times, he was really, his mission was to point out, even for his time, what parts of his religious experience were death-dealing and what were life-giving. And he was pointing out that healing on the Sabbath, that is life-giving. Refusing what is life-giving is, is, is not. Jean, I see you have a question. Yes. Thank you so much. The the Sabbath is meant to be observed as a life saving day, for and they say life saving as in your own life, like keep it holy and keep it for yourself to nurture the self, um, and that's why you're not meant to take action. But the, I think that the 
logical fallacy that Jesus is trying to point out is that when you see someone who needs help and do nothing, that is still choosing an action. So if you can unburden that person and take away their unnecessary pain, that doesn't that doesn't detract from your own life-saving measure because when you choose to still leave that person hurting, um, you have chosen something destructive. So one way or another, you are meant to choose a path. So to, to choose neither, it's not really an option. I thought that was really interesting. Thank you so much for offering that, and thank you for doing research on the passage, too, Jean. That was awesome. And you will see this uh, lifted up because Larry, on Wednesday night, when, he, when we wrote about what we were going to either give up for Lent or do for Lent, he wrote this wonderful reflection on taking Sabbath time, things that were life-giving for himself that would then, a spiritual practice that f- supports Larry also in growing in the fruits of the Spirit. And he will read that to us momentarily. So exactly on point, that taking Sabbath, honoring what is life-giving on the Sabbath, and choosing what is life-giving, and supporting others in choosing that as well, was part of the religious development. And of course, part of spiritual development too, in the sense that by modeling this new way of enacting faith in Jesus' time, people were able to allow themselves to grow in spiritual gifts and spiritual rootedness. Now, Jesus wasn't the only uh, person of Jewish faith at this time modeling and doing these things, but it was still considered revolutionary at the time. And so there's an example of religious development. And so I would like, I'm going to ask Larry, we're going to do this in the order that it was done on Wednesday night, because Aaron led us in this reflection. And then Becky read us her wonderful reflection. She wrote a letter to worry. So she personified worry and talked about how she was going to give up worry for Lent. And it is hilarious. And it is brilliant. So, Becky, if you would come up, or I can, if you want to read it from there, I think people would prefer to see you because you're so, you do this so well if you're willing. This is because we know that Becky is not only a gifted playwright, but she is a gifted actress as well. And so if you are willing, we would love for you to. Oh, thank you. Great. Are you comfortable? I'm hold, I can hold it for sure, you if you like. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. I'm sit down. And Great. So I'm right. trying to give up worry for Lent. Dear Worry, you have been one of my constant companions for most of the 60 years of my life. I like to act as if nothing worries me, but the truth is that you and I meet secretly on a regular basis. (laughs) In truth, we have slept together more often than any other lover I've ever taken into my bed. (laughs) Is that appropriate on Sunday? Absolutely. This is all in good fun. Too late now. (laughs) But the time has come to say enough. I want to end our relationship as it has been. In all our time together, though, I have held you in my heart and have let you influence the landscape of my dreams. You have not made a difference in the outcomes um, of the, or the objects, I'm sorry, or the events that are the, the reasons for your existence. Like other relationships that have endured for any length of time, I don't expect that I'll be able to let you go without some time to sever the need for you 
or break the habit of calling you up when I think of you. But here and now, I'll turn my face toward your opposites as often as I can. Faith and hope and joy, just for the fun of it. Amen. Thank you, Becky. What a wonderful example of spiritual practice and spiritual growth and development that comes from the practice. Thank you for sharing, Becky. Larry, are you comfortable coming up? I have your, your writing up here as well. And so Larry wrote about making time for Sabbath time, which is kind of what Jesus was on about today. So what is this Lent thing? Is this like a mulligan for the, that New Year's uh, resolution? A do-over? Well, this time I'd like to take some time for myself. It seems like every weekend since January 1st, I've been helping other people with their burdens. So for the next 40 days, I'm going to step back and take care of myself. So give me a do-over for New Year's. Awesome. Thank you, Larry. And I wanted to bring them to share in our community today because they're so creative. And there are three things that our religious traditions and religious traditions the world over assure us of. And there are three things about us that no matter what people say or do, our divinity, however it is understood, says that is unquestionable. Those are our worthiness of love, our belovedness, our divinity, the divine life spark we carry in each of us, and our creativity, our belovedness, our divinity, and our creativity. And so this Lent, we are practicing all of these things. We're practicing our creativity for fun, for joy, for healing, for the fruits of the Spirit. And in doing this, we reassure ourselves and others and affirm our belovedness by God, our worthiness of love by others, and we recognize the divinity in ourselves, in other people, and if our faith... um, it is congruent with our faith in the God that permeates the universe and our lives as well. So I invite you all to join us in having fun this Lent, different kind of Lent, but perhaps imagining fun as a spiritual practice that allows us to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. In Jesus and in God's name, amen. <laughs>